0: My topic today is the Jews in the News, Israel in Bible Prophecy. Before we talk about this today, Beverly is going to come and talk to you about what the devil doesn't want you to know about growing up. Would you please welcome her today?
1: Happy Sabbath, everyone. A favorite fish of hobbyists is the Japanese koi, which is related to the carp. Now, the koi is a very special fish because of what happens to it as it grows. Now, if you keep it in a small fish bowl, it'll grow to a couple of inches like this little guy. But if you take it and put it into a bigger bowl, it'll grow up to six to ten inches long and then if you put it into a pond, it'll grow up to a foot and a half, like this little, pretty little fellows, aren't they? But then if you take them outside further and throw them gently, of course, into a lake, they can grow up to three feet, which is about twice as long as this fellow. but he was the biggest I could get. And so the size of the fish is in it's determined by the size of his bowl or the pond that he's living in. Now, our growth is also determined by the size of our personal world and that's determined by the effort that we put into it. The largest room in the world is what? Can you guess? It's the room for improvement. Let's not be like Fred who was asked the question What's the difference between ignorance and apathy? Fred's answer was, I don't know and I don't care. (laughs) Young people and boys and girls, God gave us a great gift when he gave us the ability to think and to learn. Today, however, we seem to be drowning in a sea of information and yet we are starved for true knowledge and wisdom. Professor Herb Dordick of USC said to his students, as we start out on life's journey, we need to have a strategy to separate the noise and the clutter from that which is useful and valuable. And that's important, isn't it? We don't want to end up like the business person who lamented, I feel like I know more and more about less and less. Besides keeping up to date with new ideas and information about the line of work that we are in, I'd like to suggest a couple of ways how we can continue to learn about life and also how to gain wisdom. Firstly, read good books about the lives of great men and women. When we read these kind of books, we discover what makes a great life as we learn from their mistakes and their successes. Many have found this enjoyable and very rewarding because life isn't long enough to learn all of the lessons by ourselves. Secondly, read the wisest book of all, the Bible. Take the book of Proverbs. If a person wants to stimulate their mind, gain wisdom and common sense, Proverbs is the book. Proverbs 13 verse 20 says, "'Be with wise people and become wise.'" be with evil people and become evil. In other words, choose good company. Proverbs 11 verse 17, your own soul is nourished when you are kind. It is destroyed when you are cruel. Proverbs 2.1, everyone who listens to me and obeys my instructions will be given wisdom and good sense. So there it is. Proverbs 12, 15, A fool thinks he needs no advice, but a wise person listens to others. And we can learn a lot from people whom we respect and admire. Proverbs 20, verse 13, If you love sleep, you will end in poverty. Stay awake, work hard, and there will be plenty to eat. So God is saying to us, If we're lazy, we won't eat. But if we work hard, we'll have plenty. Proverbs 3, pay attention to what I say. Remember the Lord in everything you do, and he will show you the right way to live. Young people, don't be satisfied with being like the little fish. Instead, allow God to help you to grow up to your full potential.
0: My topic today is the Jews in the News, Israel in Bible Prophecy. Please take your Bibles and turn with me to Romans chapter 9. And I'm so glad to welcome you here today, especially our television audience now around the world. Romans 9 verses 1 down to 8. A passage that talks about the Jews. Romans 9, verses 1 and onwards. I speak the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience confirms it in the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, those of my own race, the people of Israel. Theirs is the adoption of sons, theirs the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship, and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry of Christ, who is God over all, forever praised, amen. It is not as though God's word had failed, for not all who are descended from Israel are Israel nor because they are his descendants are they all Abraham's children. On the contrary, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. In other words, it is not the natural children who are God's children, but it is the children of the promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. The Jewish people have indeed made a tremendous contribution to civilization, to our culture, to our understanding of human nature. Read the Psalms. And most importantly, to our understanding of God. The greatest book in the history of the world with the greatest influence is the Bible. This is a Jewish book. All the writers, with the exception of Luke, were Jews the greatest person in the history of the human race with the greatest influence is a Jew the Lord Jesus Christ a Jew the Jews preserved the Old Testament all oh, the holy articles the holy scriptures faithfully they copied the Word of God if it had not been for the Jews we would never have had the Holy Scriptures The New Testament likewise was written by Jews with, as I mentioned before, the exception of Luke who was a Gentile. The greatest person of ancient times was Moses, the lawgiver. He too was a Jew. I'm using the term Jew rather broadly. Some would say to me he was an Israelite but we're using this term as it is understood by most of us today. The greatest person beside the Lord Jesus Christ in the last 2,000 years was Paul, who changed the course of history. He was a Jewish scholar, rabbi, if you wish to call him that, and also a disciple of the Lord Jesus. He was a Jew through and through. The greatest event in the history of nation building was the exodus out of Egypt by the Jews led by Moses and the opening up of the Red Sea because it gave birth to the Jewish nation. If there had been no Jewish nation, there would have been no Christian church. The Jewish people have given to us the most sublime poetry And prophecies. And today we have some wonderful people with us who are going to come and read to us from the Holy Scriptures. It is my privilege to introduce to you now a very dear friend whom I had the privilege of baptizing not so long ago, a wonderful psychiatrist, Dr. Bert Roger. Would you please welcome him today? as he comes to read to us from the book of the prophet Isaiah, which is, of course, Messianic.
2: We're reading 53, 1 through 6, Isaiah. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all.
0: Amen. Amen. God bless you, Dr. Burt. And now, my dear friend, Blake Wexler, a Los Angeles businessman, is going to come and read to you from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 9, And verses five to seven, this also is Messianic.
2: For to us a child is born, to us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from the time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this.
0: Amen. And may the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. The Jewish people, the ancient Israelites, were selected, chosen by God to be his special nation. This had never happened before in the history of the human race. God called a man by the name of Abraham, who came from the city of Ur of the Chaldees, which today is found in what we call the southern part of Iraq. When I visited Ur of the Chaldees and climbed up the ziggurat, I thought of the founding of the great nation of Israel because Abraham came from Ur. And then later on, some of the descendants of Abraham went down into the land of Egypt and they became slaves there under the tyranny of Pharaoh for hundreds of years until God raised up that mighty man of God, the prince of Egypt, Moses, And Moses led the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt and clear through the Red Sea. And then Moses received from the hand of God the Father Almighty the Ten Commandments. The children of Israel knew their triumphs and their defeats. They had their revivals and they had their apostasies. Because of their apostasies, they will tell you, they were sent by the hand of God into captivity. They became the servants of Nebuchadnezzar. But all through their long history, they were sustained by the promise of the coming of the Messiah. This was their guiding star that one day, the anointed one, the Messiah, would come. Daniel chapter 9 and verse 24 and uh, onwards. I want you to notice this great prophecy. 77's or 70 weeks are decreed or determined for your people and your holy city, Jerusalem, to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Know and understand this, from the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the Messiah, comes, there'll be seven sevens and 62 sevens, or 483 years, It will be rebuilt with streets and a trench, but in times of trouble. After the 62 sevens, the anointed one will be cut off and will have nothing. The people of the ruler who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end will come like a flood. War will continue until the end and desolations have been decreed. He will confirm a covenant with many for 1-7. In the middle of the seven, he will put an end to the sacrifice and offering. And on a wing of the temple, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. This would be the greatest of all of the prophecies concerning the coming of the mighty Prince of Peace, the Messiah. And I want to just put this up on the blackboard for a moment here today. Here is the great time prophecy of Daniel chapter 9. And the prophet said about 500 B.C. that from the issuing of the the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem there would be a period of time. And that period of time would be 483 years. You can read it there in the text. It is plain. And the Bible says it starts in 457 B.C., which was the decree to restore and build Jerusalem. And this was issued by the Persian king, Long Germanus. There is something that you all must perceive and understand today. This is a part of the prophecy of the 70 weeks because the Bible says 70 sevens are decreed upon your people and upon your holy city. And so the 70 weeks are the great, it makes up the great time period of the 490 years. And this great time period of 490 years is made up of 483 years, the 69 weeks, and the last week or the last of the seven, the last seven years. This is very important. I want you to notice today as plainly as God can help us to notice that God said 77s are decreed for your people. And then in the next breath the angel divides up the 490 years, the 77s, into 483 and then you have the last week or the last of the seven years. And the Bible says, and this is of tremendous value and importance that we see this. The Bible says from this time here, there would be a period of 483 years until the coming of Messiah the Prince. And if you add 483 years onto 457, recognizing that there is no year zero, As you go from B.C. to A.D., this brings you through to the year 27 A.D. The Bible made the amazing prediction that Messiah, the Prince, the hope of Israel would come to his own in the year 27 A.D. And then the Bible goes on to say, that the Messiah would confirm the covenant for the last of the seven years. But the Bible says, in the midst of the week, right in the midst of the week, that brings you through to 31 AD, the Bible says that the Messiah would bring an end to the, the burnt offerings and the sacrifices. Now, Jesus did this when he died for our sins on the cross. That's why today, when we come to church, we don't bring burnt offerings to God. The sacrificial service finished legally when Jesus died in 31 AD. And then the great prophecy goes on to say that the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city in the san- uh, city and the sanctuary. And in the year 70 A.D., the Roman soldiers under Titus destroyed the capital of Israel. And the prophecy goes on in the powerful words that wars are decreed until the end. The sure word of the Jewish prophet Daniel says this, Messiah would come. Number one, he would come in a certain year, 27 AD. In the midst of the last week, he would die for our sins. Uh, the Bible actually says the Messiah would be cut off and he would have nothing. In fact, the Messiah would be rejected by his own people. And then the Jewish prophet Daniel said, Wars are decreed until the end of the world Jerusalem the city of peace said the Jewish prophet will never know peace because it rejected the Prince of Peace and they can have all the movements for peace and all the great politicings that the nations can do but my friend they cannot overturn One word of the prophecy. The Bible says, wars are decreed unto the end. And we applaud the attempts of good men to bring peace to this world. But the Bible says, wars are decreed until the end. Jerusalem has never known peace until it rejected the Prince of Peace. And the amazing story is this, that the Jewish prophets had this prophecy... The most splendid, the most wonderful of the prophecies, the most glorious, that actually pinpointed the year when Messiah would come to his own. But the Bible tells us he came to his own, and his own received him not. The people, no, not so much the people, but the rulers of the people, the legalistic priests rose up against him and handed him over to the Romans and crucified the Son of God. The coming of the Messiah was the greatest event in the history of the world. The crucifixion of the Son of God was the greatest sin in the history of the human race. Because hanging upon the cross was more than a man. Hanging upon the cross was almighty God. I want you to come over here to some texts, please. I want you to come over here to Matthew 20, and verse 17 and onwards. Matthew chapter 20 and verse 17 and uh, onwards. Matthew 20 verse 17 and onwards. Now as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem he took the twelve disciples aside and said to them we are going up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests And the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will turn him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. On the third day, he will be raised to life. Now, come to chapter 21 and verse, let me see now, verse 33 will do nicely. Verse 33, listen to another parable, said our Lord. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a winepress in it, and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and went away on a journey. When the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. The tenants seized his servants. They beat one, killed another, and stoned a third. Then he sent other servants to them more than the first time, and the tenants treated them the same way. Last of all, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? He will bring those wretches to a wretched end, they replied, and he will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at harvest time. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone? The Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit He who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, but he on whom it falls will be crushed. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard Jesus' parables, they knew he was talking about them. Listen carefully. If you understand this, you'll understand what is happening today in the world the greatest event in the world, greater than the exodus, the birth of a nation, was the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the greatest sin in the history of the world was the crucifixion of the Son of God. We cannot conceive of an act that was so evil because Jesus was not a rabbi. Jesus was not a poor preacher like me. Jesus was not a sinner. He was the self-existing creator God without beginning and of endless days who came down to this race to redeem his people. And the people of God, the greatest religionists in the world, took the Son of God and cast him out of the city of Jerusalem and passed him over to the Romans who nailed him to the cross. And when that happened, the kingdom of God was taken from the Israel of the flesh and given to another Nation that we shall discuss in a moment. Come with me to Luke 21. And Jesus, the greatest of the prophets, wrote these words Luke 21, verse 20 When you see Jerusalem being surrounded by armies, you will know that its desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, let those in the city get out, let those in the country not enter the city. For this is the time of punishment in fulfillment of all that has been written. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. There will be great distress in the land and wrath against this people. They will fall by the sword and will be taken as prisoners to all the nations. Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. There'll be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and the tossing of the seas. And then verse 27 says, at that time they will see the Son of Man come in a cloud with power and great glory. Now listen carefully. Because if you understand this, it'll be as though a veil has been taken from before your eyes and you will see clearly. God today has a new nation. Does God love the Jewish people? Of course, He loves the Jewish people, He loves all of us. They're His children. He loves them with a father's love. But God today has a new nation. It is not the United States. It is not Great Britain. It is none of the European powers or some power or some nation in the South Pacific. God today has a new nation that has replaced Israel of the flesh. And here to read to you and to describe and identify that nation, I have two ladies who are members of this church and they represent that new nation. And the first person is Elmer Dixon. Would you please come, Elmer She's going to read to you 1 Peter chapter 2 and verses 9 and 10. Please turn in the Holy Scriptures to 1 Peter chapter 2 and verses 9 and 10. And Elmer is going to read it to you as a representative of the new nation of Israel.
2: But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a
1: holy nation... A people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light once you were not a people but now you are the people of God once you had not received mercy but now you have received mercy
0: thank you Elmer Susie Pirano is going to read to you about the new Israel in the book of Galatians written by Saint Paul The Great Jew, Galatians 3 and verse 26 to 29, Galatians the third chapter, verses 26 to 29.
1: You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise.
0: Thank you. So God has a new nation. And the text is very, very plain. One must be blind to miss it. It says, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. If you take that literally, the Jews are Abraham's seed. And you could say even the Muslims. But the Bible says there is a new nation and it says if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and you are heirs according to the promise. Listen, God has a new Israel. Dr. Burt is a member of the new Israel. Blake is a member of the new Israel. Elmer is a member of the new Israel. Susie is a member of the new Israel. If you belong to Christ, the Bible says, you become a member of the chosen nation. I'm glad that God is not a racist. Listen, listen now carefully. This will do you good. Notice, Israel in the Middle East and the teachings of the false prophets. Oh, that is strong language, you say. The false prophets. Here are the books of the false prophets left behind. There it is, Assassins, Soul Harvest, Apollyon, Tribulation Force, Nikolai. These are novels. And when I went to the Valley Book and Bible yesterday, I said, where is the stuff on left behind? They said, in the section on fiction. in the section on fiction, because it is fiction. But I said, sadly, this is where America goes to get her theology. And that which is taught in these books today, some would say, is driving American foreign policy. You say, what do these people believe? Let me tell you what they believe. And you say to me after I show it to you, but there's no proof. No, of course, there's no proof. They take the 70 weeks, God says 70 weeks altogether, the 483 plus the seven. This is what they do. They take the 69 or the 483, then they have the coming of the Messiah. And they say because Israel is no longer in the land after this time period, they're going to put 2,000 years in here. You say, but what authority? Well, they don't need any, they say it. And then they have the last of the seven years. There you've got it. The seven years that are separated from the 69 years, so they have the 70 weeks broken up, and you say, but how could a person really believe this stuff? I will tell you something not one person in a hundred thousand who reads these books knows what the Bible teaches. And millions who go to church and who listen to this, you see them sitting there with their mouths open, but their Bibles closed. I'm sorry, no, they don't even bring Bibles to church. They do not know. Now, the false prophets teach a secret rapture. But you say everybody believes in the rapture. No. No person in the Bible believed it. They have a secret rapture and then they have the great rise of the Antichrist. The Jews rebuild the temple and the Antichrist brings the sacrifice and the offering to cease halfway through the last seven years. This is the time of the great tribulation. But the church is not there to see it because the church has gone home to glory. The church is saved from the great tribulation. Maybe they think the church is not strong enough to endure it. And so they get the church home to glory, away from the great tribulation, and there are people left behind. Who's left behind? All the sinners all the unbelievers. Well, the Jews are left behind. Then they've got a book there that talks about the remnant who keep the commandments of God. There's a Jewish remnant that comes, you see. And then after the seven years, Jesus comes back in glory. It's not secret, but he comes back. Armageddon takes place. Now listen to this. The heart of this Theology is that Israel today is still the chosen nation. That's the heart of that theology. And Hal Lindsey, who has changed his predictions more times than he's changed his socks. (laughs) Different dates. He keeps on bringing out different dates and his believers brings out a date, end of the world coming, they say, yeah. Doesn't happen, he brings out another day, yeah, yeah. Then he brings out another day, yeah, yeah. Hey, why don't people think, why don't people read the scriptures for themselves? Why allow themselves to be brainwashed? And so, what they teach is this, you're going to have this great tribulation, but before this happens, before the rapture, Israel goes back to the promised land. And because Israel goes back to the promised land in supposedly fulfillment of Bible prophecy, what is happening over there is of tremendous importance to the Christian world. And tragically today, most folks don't get their theology from the word of God They get it from books like Left Behind and they're going to get Left Behind. The evangelicals in this world, listen to this, I'm talking basically about an American phenomenon, my beloved ones. In North America, the evangelicals and the fundamentalists have got tremendous political clout They helped to elect presidents. You know where they get their theology from? They get it from here. In fact, they wrote it. And these theories that have seduced millions of people, some say, have even got into the White House. People say, are you sure about what you're saying? My friend, I am saying what the Bible teaches. There is not a whisper in the Bible about a secret rapture. People write to me when I say these things, they get real mad with me. You know why they get mad with me? Because they know they're wrong. They don't have a text in the Bible. The return of the Jews to Palestine is not a fulfillment A Bible prophecy. Now, people say there are texts that say things like that. Here, There are. But have you ever heard of Jesus and what happened to him? Don't you know that changed everything? People read the Bible, you know, to find things that they want to believe. Would you come over here to the book of Amos, dear hearts and gentle people? Hmm. I can imagine the mail I'm going to get soon. Amos chapter 9. But remember, left behind and all that stuff is religious junk. It belongs to the, the place where they sell fiction. Amos 9 verse 11 and onwards. Now look at this prophecy. Think, 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 think. Don't be bamboozled by TV evangelists and brainwashed Amos 9, 11, and 12. In that day I will restore David's fallen tent. I will repair, repair its broken places, restore its ruins and rebuild it as it used to be so that they may possess the remnant of Eden and all the nations that bear my name declares the Lord who will do these things. come down to verse 14 I will bring back my exiled people Israel they will rebuild the ruined cities and live in them now listen look at me here is a prophecy that says God is going to restore Israel in the last days people say well I I don't need to read anything else I'm going to take my stand over here Now don't tell me anymore my mind is made up. Don't confuse me with the facts. Now listen. All of God's promises are conditional. I want to give you an example. Ezekiel thirty-three, thirteen 13 to 16. One example. Ezekiel from the Jewish prophet Ezekiel. Ezekiel 33, 13 to 16 Ezekiel thirty-three, thirteen, 13 and onwards here is an example if I tell the righteous man that he will surely live but then he trusts in his righteousness and does evil none of the righteous things he has done will be remembered he will die for the evil he has done if I say to the wicked man you will surely die Is that a promise? Is that a prediction? Sounds like it to me. You will surely die. But if he then turns away from his sin and done what is just and right, if he gives back what he took in pledge for a loan, returns what he has stolen, follows the decrees that give life, and does no evil, he will surely live. He will not die. Now, look at me. God says, you're going to die. But then the Bible says if the man turns away, he won't die. Then it says, God says to the righteous man, you're going to live. But the righteous man does evil, what happens? God reverses the pronouncement. All of God's promises are conditional. Now listen to this. If you get this, you'll be so far ahead of the TV evangelists and the so-called theologians that you'll at least know where you're going. Listen carefully. The prophecies and the promises that were given to literal Israel were taken away from them and given to the new nation. All those great prophecies that talk about the restoration of Israel are going to be fulfilled to God's new nation. Now, I can prove it to you. you. say, prove it to me. Well, it's easy, easy, easy. Come over here to Acts 15, verses 12 and onwards. Remember, we read that text for you out of Amos? Acts chapter 15. Let me say this to you, watching on television. If you go to church, and the preacher hardly opens the Bible, and you don't uh, open the Bible at all, you're in the wrong church, and you're getting ready for the great deception. In fact, you have... Become a victim of the great deception already. Acts 15, verses 12 and onwards. The whole assembly became silent as they listened to Paul, Barnabas, and Paul, telling about the miraculous signs and wonders God had done, done among the Gentiles through them. This is preaching the gospel. When they finished, James spoke up. Brothers, listen to me. Simon, that's Peter, has described to us how God at first showed his concern by taking from the Gentiles a people for himself. So this is talking, look at me, this is talking about the preaching of the gospel. Okay? The words of the prophets are in agreement with this as it is written. After this I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild and I will restore it. Look at me. The prophecy, the restoration prophecy that speaks about the literal Jews rebuilding the temple, the Bible says, yes, it is going to happen, but it's going to happen when people build the church of God. So these prophecies that would have been fulfilled to literal Israel are now fulfilled to the Israel of the Spirit. The Elmer's and the Susie's and all those who truly believe in God. Listen. Every sermon, every talk, if it's worth anything, should have a big therefore. This is not just a talk to stimulate your pure minds, if they be so. This is a talk that you and I might be able to live better lives and understand a little more clearly and not be taken in, number one. Therefore, number one, do not be deceived by the false prophets. You say, well, what's the difference? They're interesting books and I'd like to hear about it. Listen, the Bible says in Matthew 24, and I've got a talk on this, I can show it to you, Don't read it now because I I don't have time and you don't have time. But in Matthew 24, the great tribulation happens before the second coming. You see, what these people have over here is this. They have the mark of the beast and all of those things happening after the rapture. The great test is after the rapture. The saints are home in glory. As Scrooge said, Humbug. People say, what difference does it make? The false prophets are lulling the people of God into a sense of false security. We don't need to get ready for the mark of the beast. We don't need to understand the prophecies. We don't need to get ready for the great tribulation. We're going home to glory. We're going to miss it all. That's what the false prophets do. They deceive the people and lull them into a sense of false security. The church needs to prepare for the last great conflict. The false prophets are lulling the church to sleep. Therefore, believe this point number two believe that God is not a racist. God has got his people everywhere. If a Jewish man comes to the Lord Jesus and confesses the Lord Jesus Christ, he becomes an Israelite. Paul was an Israelite. Elmer, who's representing Africa, when she comes to the Lord Jesus, she becomes a Jew, according to Scripture. The Jew that counts. Nationalities don't count a bit as far as God is concerned. So I'm the greatest. That doesn't count anything for God. God has got his people in every nation. His chosen people. Now here's the punchline. The real restoration of Israel Is the gathering of God's children into the kingdom, into the church, not by force of arms in the Middle East, but by the preaching of the everlasting gospel. One other text. Romans 11, 33 and onwards. After discussing Israel, Paul says this. Romans 11, verse 33 and onwards. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the
1: glory forever. Amen. Amen.